Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I'm your other co-host, Cam. And we are here tonight. Well, it may not be night wherever you are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, but it's nighttime now on uh, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. And we are reviewing a film for this episode. It's something we haven't gotten to do recently because we had technical difficulties. Uh, we wanted to review Banshees last week, Banshees of Inisherin, that is, and we didn't get to do it. So that will be coming soon. But the reason we are reviewing those and not film, not uh, you know, like a film that's new in theaters or anything like that, is twofold. One, there's not really anything this week that was in theaters that would be more interesting than the Best Picture nominees. And two, we have six more Best Picture nominees to review prior to the Oscars, which is something that Kirk and I are committed to do. That way you guys have our thoughts on all of them and you can make your own thoughts on all of them and we can all be square and ready to go. It's daunting, but we're going to do it, Kirk. That's right. We're going to do it all. And because we love you, there's no other reason. If we did not love you, we would just say, forget about it. That's right. But the real question is, am I going to make Kirk go to the movies to see M. Night Shyamalan's A Knock at the Cabin this weekend? That's... Oh! (laughs) Oh, are you? I don't know. We're going to discuss it. We're going to discuss it. Uh, But that's that's on the table. I mean, we've got got a couple big hitters coming up. Well, really just one, Ant-Man. Ant-Man is coming. We're definitely going to have to review that. So that will, when that comes out, that will not be an Oscar Best Picture review week. But we have no to kind question. of pick and choose now. Like, which films do we actually want to review? Or do we want to just do a Best Picture nominee that week? So we're going to have to, we're going to, have to be tactical. Just an update. I don't know if we've mentioned this before. Cam has seen all 10. He is 10 for 10 of the Best Pictures. Congratulations. Yes, re- recently. Recently. Hit that siren there. What? What siren? You know, some sort of cool sound effect. I don't have any cool sound effects. How about a ding a ding Oh, yeah. I just have I just have that. Is that what you want? Is that's that really, what I want. That's what you really want? That's? If that's all you have, that's all I have that's to give. all I want. We need to up our sound effect I know. game. This is very clear. This is very it clear is, tonight. It's obvious. I called you out just so I could tell you about the sound effect lacking yeah. that we're having on this, that's on this fair. show. No, that's fair. But you're 10 out of 10. I am now eight out of ten Ooh. as of the other night, so I'm You're close. knocking on the door. I'm almost there, and you can be too. Check out our all of our social medias. You know that we have the list there. Yeah. Um, if you want to hop on Letterboxd, you know Letterbox the app. They now have a full list and scope of where you can see things. Yes. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's just fun to be in the know. I was talking to, uh, shout out to Mister Zachary Ranger Rogers. Uh, my old mentor and still is about film and such. I just think that uh, it was very exciting talking to him about it recently. And we want to talk with you all about it. Yes. Like where can we talk about all of our stuff, Cam? Anywhere. Social media, discord, probably discord, discord is the best. Yeah. Uh, we do have a discord server. You can chat with us there. It's easy to join. There's a link in the description. If you're listening or watching, you can find the link below. So that's a good place to do it. Kirk, which two are you missing? Which two Women talking, women talking, and triangle of sadness. Triangle of sadness. Okay, yeah, women talking was my last one because man, that one is that's a slippery little bugger. You got to catch it. (laughs) It's it pops up and you gotta you gotta grab it when it's there. Um, So that was the one. I'm recently ten for ten because I was able to catch that last week. 
um, had to take a half day of work to do so because the show times were so wonky. I was like, man, this is crazy. But we're right. getting there, and we're going to review them all on here, starting with tonight's review, which will be Tar. And yes, that's how it's that's how it's pronounced with the accent over the a. It's an ungoogleable film. Uh, actually, Google's smart enough to figure it out, but some of these apps, Kirk, like Just Watch and Letterboxd for a while, uh, both of them for a while, You, if you just typed in tar, T-A-R, on your phone, it wouldn't find it. It would, like, find no. other things. And I was so enraged by that, <laughs> like, unimaginably angry at it until they all kind of corrected their search functionality to make it work so now it's not as hard which how rude how rude of the creators of this film to do such a thing where all of these engineers had to suddenly come together <laughs> and have an extra task like they're not busy putting your real feature request through <laughs> yes they've got to stop work That's and right. put the accent over the a i mean come on well Yes, and normally I would agree. We we often talk about films that have horrible titles when it comes to marketing, um, like big long titles or titles with a, a colon and then a subtitle that's really long yes. or whatever. This is a, a different case because it's a short title, but it was like unsearchable because of the accent over the A in some places. But you know, I have, you know, as much as I am usually against this sort of thing, when you see the movie, you understand why it has to be called that. Well, maybe we'll get into it during this review, but um, there was a reason for it. There's, was there? <laughs> there, there was is, there, there is a reason. We could talk about it if you want to, but there is definitely a reason. Um, but yeah, it's still annoying. I, I guarantee there was, there were many months of battles between team marketing and team Todd field, the director <laughs> who were like, no, we will call it tar and nothing else. And the marketing team was so mad, yes. but here we are. And we're reviewing it with that as the title. So Kirk, this one's a doozy. It's a, uh, we're going to get into it. And, and as a reminder, we've got, we're going to be doing spoiler full reviews. That's how most of our reviews are unless otherwise stated. Um, but that is a somewhat somewhat recent change. And the reason we're doing that is we, we want you guys to watch these films, uh, particularly for the best pictures, and then you can hear a deeper analysis on these, not just surface-level, non-spoilery stuff. There are times for that, but, but when you're talking about best picture nominees, we want to get into the nitty-gritty. So that's what yeah. we're going to do. We um, want to do the gritty while we're getting in the nitty-gritty. That's right. That's right, Kirk. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. I you need never to know. learn. We I got, need to learn how to do the gritty. We got a long way to go. It could get weird. We don't know. But we're going to start, as we always do, um, with a brief synopsis of the film to kind of you know set the table and, and get ready to jump into it. So I will provide that synopsis. It'll be brief. Basically, Lydia Tarr is a fictional character, even though the film uh, is actually sort of designed and styled like a biopic. It is a fictional character. She is one of the most successful, if not the most successful composers in the world. She is the uh, the resident composer at the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, which is one of the most prestigious orchestras in the entire world. And she has risen to immense acclaim. She's got a book. She's doing all of these live recordings and, and making, you know, having tons of career success but then some details about her personal life and her personal life 
overlapping with her work life and some toxic uh, traits and characteristics and activities that she is dealing in start to come to surface. And as you would probably guess, and as you probably know if you've seen the film, it the, the wheels start to fall off and she starts to take a meteoric descent into, you know, from the top of the mountain all the way down to the bottom uh, where she has to then, as we see her at the end of the movie, trying to crawl her way back out of the the pits of career despair. So that is Tar. Um, this movie uh, stars Kate Blanchett. It's really, it's really her movie. You know, <laughs> this movie is called Tar. It's about the main character Lydia Tar and everything that we we're never without her. You know, everything that we see, everything that happens is about this character. We are literally never away from her in this film. So it's uh, it's interesting from that respect. Right. Anything I missed before we jump into it, Kirk? No, that is everything. All righty. Tar, tar, tar. on tar, which is the name of her, <laughs> the name of her book, her memoir, which I love. Um, let's get into it. Let's talk about the acting performances. Um, and when we say, and the Oscar goes to this time, I'm going to go ahead and say that this this person is actually going to win an Oscar for this role. It's not just one of our little fake Oscars. I think Kate Blanchett, our star uh, leading lady in this film, is 1,000% deserving of an Oscar for this performance. She is nominated for an Academy Award for this performance. Actually, it's it's worth noting this film was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor Actress in a uh, Leading Role, Best Directing by Todd Field, Best Film Editing, cinematography and original screenplay. So, uh, Kate Blanchett is the lone acting nominee and that's sort of the nature of the film, but she turns in an unbelievable performance. It is, I mean, we've seen Kate Blanchett do amazing things. She is, has been at the top of her game for a very long time. She's one of the best to do it without doubt. I mean, currently one, you know, certainly one of the best that's doing it right now. And, this performance is the performance of a lifetime for her. Um, this character that she creates is layered like nobody's business. And part of that is that it's a really well-written movie. But the other part of it is that Kate Blanchett is so detail-oriented in her approach and so, so technically excellent. I mean, she just does not miss a single beat there's so much intentionality in everything that she's doing the way she interacts with people every word that falls out of her mouth is doing so with intention she's delivering each line with a specific inflection to give us a glimpse of what's going on in her head because this movie is really good at following one of the main rules of film which is show not tell and so a lot of times what's happening we're not being told explicitly we're not being told exactly what's happening, exactly what she's thinking, exactly what is going on. We're just being dropped into the middle of the scene and we have to kind of get our bearings. And so when that's going on, her, the way that she delivers lines becomes so important because it's our only window into her mind and it's our only way of interpreting this character. And Kate Blanchett certainly knew that, acted that way, did a phenomenal job. I was blown away by this performance. I didn't know what to expect going in and it's rare that like I look at any acting uh, Academy Award category and say this is a flat out runaway but I I mean 
personally, if I was picking the award, as fantastic as all the other women nominated were, including Michelle Yeoh, whose whose performance in Everything Everywhere was marvelous, um, I think that this I think it has to go to Kate Blanchett. I would be shocked if it didn't. So Kate Blanchett, fantastic work, loved it. We are going to have a good time today, folks. Oh boy. I must tell you, I have very indifferent feelings about this movie. Really? Yes, very, 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 very. Hold on, put us back up. Put us both back up real quick. I want to see your face for a second, Cam. Sure. I must tell you that my Oscar is going to Mark Strong's wig throughout this film. Oh, wow. So not indifferent I'm- feelings. You hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that wig is working overtime though let's be honest i just wanted to drop the wig before we do anything else because <laughs> it is the most glaring piece of artistic missteps it's shocking in this film it is shocking it is hideous it is stringy it is just awful it's this weird reddish brown and it dangles from his face almost like old greg uh the the one hit wonder youtube hit i, I just i cannot fathom why that wig happened in this film. Can you? <laughs> well, Mark Strong usually rocks a shaved head and it's a great yeah. it's a great look for him, so I was definitely taken aback by it, I would say. I was very upset. I was very upset by this. That's not why we're going to have problems, but I do want to tell, <laughs> tell you my Oscar goes to, but I could not go any farther without uh, expressing that to our listeners. The Oscar goes to for me also Miss Kate Blanchett. I think that this role, yes, it was written for her. However, it is not her best work. I'll tell you Ooh. that. I've been skeptical of Miss Kate Blanchett for a long time. I think she's a little overrated, and I, I stand by that. I think I took it back when we saw, oh, what was the film with uh, Bradley Cooper and her? Oh, something about a nightmare. Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley, where I thought she was really, really working hard and uh she was lean i was leaning into her i was feeling her and then of course i finally watched got around to watching martin scorsese's the aviator in which she does an, an incredible incredible job this one she hits all the beats this could be her iron lady aka meryl streep's win one of her recent wins uh this this is really what it feels like because the movie itself not great but does everything bend to her whim and her will and just uh, either fade or melt into her whenever necessary. Yes, the answer is yes, um, which uh, there's so much to talk about the the production value to, uh, to that a little bit later, but everything was incorporated and amplified by the artistic side of this and she was ready to play the role. She had all these insane references that you believed her. Like every sentence out of her mouth, she was name dropping, which is some of the greatness of, of this character is that she loves to be right. She loves to be the smartest in the room. She fought to be there. And on the other side of that, she is this very malicious person because she has had to fight and claw, and climb, and scratch her way to where she wanted to be. But the problem was is she never stopped to enjoy all of it. So she's a very bitter person with very, very dark skeletons in her closet. That's what makes it so nice. Because whenever she is trying to, uh, trying to 
be baited into something, she will start all of a sudden name drop and talk about things from her intelligence and her craft. And then when she gets that ripped out of her, she just screams or just just snarls at whoever's with her or sometimes just walks away. And there's there's some cool power that that Kate Blanchett kind of weaves in between, uh, like a snake, if you will. It's very snake like her her entire character until there are times when there is literally egg on her face or in this particular case of the movie blood when she smashes her face into the concrete while pursuing uh, something she shouldn't. It's very, very fascinating to watch. However, not her best performance. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's get let's get frisky, you know? Let's let's turn up the turn up the heat here a little bit. Let's let's yeah. get let's widen the, the divide. What other yes. analogies or metaphors can I use to describe what's happening? Uh, I don't know. I can the, go. Let's part the Red Sea. <laughs> let's yeah. go. Uh, I like it. Uh, let's talk about Scene Stealer. Um uh, this Supporting cast, it, it featured a lot of different characters, but again, this is like the Kate Blanchett show, so it's really it's really difficult to um, choose. But for me, there was one person who really stuck out: um, young actress by the name of ne- Noemi Merlant, who is a French actor. Uh, she was in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. If you guys are familiar with that film, probably her most uh, famous work and one that has grown to extreme critical acclaim over in recent years. I think even, you know, popping up in, in many like top 200, top 100 lists of all time. Um, and that movie is only from 2017. So recommend you seeing it, but she plays Francesca who is, uh, the assistant and sort of lady in waiting as it, as it relates to, uh, being the next great female conductor. She's sort of a, mentee of Lydia Tars. She's also a, um, their, their relationship is complex and you, you get the sense that there has been something physical going on there in the past, certainly something emotional going on between the two of them. Um, with regard to, you know, the way that Lydia Tar kind of goes about her business. She kind of has these really, um, unethical, toxic kind of relationships with everyone around her, but certainly most of all the the female uh, people in her life. And so I would say that, that uh, Francesca is sort of the ultimate victim, uh, you know, one of the main victims of Lydia Tarr's wrath in this film. And that's what I like about her performance is how well she conveys the complexity of being on the receiving end of a, uh, manipulative, manipulative relationship like this one is where she's, you know, uh, being gaslighted and being manipulated and being abused actually emotionally, um, not physically that we see, but certainly emotionally. And, um, she's going through a lot. And I think that, uh, Noemi really takes a thoughtful approach with how she, performs this role because I think she knows that so many people are in this position. And I think that she knows that she wanted to convey it in a way that's accurate. She ha- she is one of the main figures to convey the monstrosity that is Lydia Tarr. You know, we have, we can, we get to look into Francesca's eyes at multiple times during this film as Lydia Tarr is sort of on the other side of the camera talking to her. And that is our chance to, to see the impact, the actual physical impact of 
this relationship on someone, the emotional toll that it has on them. And she does a beautiful job conveying that with very few words and just really beautiful, uh, you know, physical acting and, and, and just kind of responding to the scene as it, as it goes on. You know, she does a great job at, um, the scene where Lydia is kind of telling her that she's not going to be chosen for the, I forget what they call it, assistant director or assistant conductor role. The way that you all you all we're seeing in the scene is her physical reaction to this as Lydia delivers it from the other side of the camera. And basically all you see, she doesn't say anything. Her eyes just kind of move and she like makes a, like a tisk or a scoff at some point, but she tells you so much about everything there. Uh, she gives us such a, a beautiful glimpse into their horrific uh, relationship and, and why it's so evil and sinister and it's really well done. So I have to give my props once again to Noemi Merlant. I'm, I apologize uh, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I have no idea. I'm trying my that's hardest. That's exactly right. I called her while you started oh, and she you. said that's exactly how you pronounce it. Phew. So good job. That's a relief. She's very impressed. She wants to come on the show. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Kirk, <laughs> who's your scene stealer? My scene stealer goes to Miss Nina Haas. Good choice. This is the spouse of Lydia Tar. She p- holds down the fort. She is, oh, what is she? She's a violinist. First violinist, uh, first, yeah. First chair violinist, of course, because she is you know, in, in good with the, (laughs) with the conductor. And I really love the, the mirror that she holds up to Lydia there. Even, and at times it's, it's so powerful to see the juxtaposition there to see that, that, uh, Nina who plays Sharon in the movie. Um, it's, it's incredible to see how stable she is and how, how far Lydia has gone um, to, yes, this is the home that they share together. There's the, there's the daughter of course. And then Lydia will disappear into the apartment and we're just kind of accept the apartment early on. And then finally, like three fourths of the way through uh, Sharon is like, yeah, that apartment that you won't let go of (laughs) Um, the, then since, since we, since we found each other and and moved in together and and so on. And so there are all these things that uh, Sharon is harboring and it's just very controlled. She knows what she has is precious. She knows what she has is fragile and she also knows that she only has a poker face to an extent. She can pick up when things are not going right. She tries to redirect them to make sure they don't go into total calamity. And most of the time, she ex- she is successful. However, of course, the events of this film, we know that she cannot completely control Lydia as no one can control Lydia. And as Lydia finds out, not even Lydia can control Lydia. It's a very wonderful uh, line that's drawn uh, to, to connect them. It's a very fascinating watch to see um, her, her kind of finally uh, near the end of this kind of let her go to say, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Um, we only get to see a glimpse of that before Lydia just really steamrolls through the, the end of this film. So I'd really love to see where where uh, where she is, where Sharon is at the end of this, um, maybe in a post-credit scene or a deleted scene. It'd be very fascinating to see. I know that doesn't meet with the whole uh, theme of the film and perspective of the film of following Lydia, but I really wonder 
and want Sharon to be doing well. And hopefully we can find that out. Sometimes they do postmortems with directors. That'd be really cool to see. But she caught my eye. She was wonderful. Nice. I like that pick. I thought I thought Nina Haas did a did a great job in this film as well. So glad she's getting some flowers here. All right, let's talk about Todd Field's movie. Uh, he's nominated for Best Director. Um, and is, does he also get the writing credit on this one? Oh, I, let's I can't see. Um, yes, he's also the writer. So screenwriting and directing for Mr. Wow. Todd Field. Uh, so very well acclaimed and, and you know nominated in multiple categories, which is very impressive. But let's talk about this picture. And let's talk about what works, what doesn't work, and let's start with what works. Uh, we're going to get into Showstopper, the best part of the film, in our opinion. For me, it's really the whole sort of um, essence of the film, which is the character study. I love the Lydia Tarr character study in this film, and I love it because I think sort of, sort of a trend in recent films that I've kind of noticed is that creating really complex characters, like truly complex characters who aren't all one thing or all another thing. They're not one dimensional. They have layers. They, they're a real, uh, you know, they, they could be a real person um, kind of falls to the wayside in favor of doing something heavily thematic or stylish to kind of drive home the point of the movie with one dimensional characters. That's kind of how I feel like a lot of recent films are is that you see a lot more, People trying to tell, get their impact through with, you know, really stylish or, or really heavy thematic work rather than an actual deep character. This this movie does both. And I think that Lydia Tarr's character is fascinating because the movie, the movie doesn't really give us an opinion on this whole thing. It just kind of tells us who she is and that this person could be real and probably is real in many different fields across the world right now and, and has existed and will continue to exist. But it doesn't ask us to decide how they should be dealt with. It doesn't ask us to do anything other than observe and, and make our own opinion. And I like that because Lydia Tarr is an interesting, really, really interesting character because you can, it's like one of those things where, um, you know, one of those sequin pillows where like you brush it one way and then you brush it the other way and it makes like, it has a design on one end. You can look at it from different perspectives and and sometimes you see her interacting with her, you know, daughter, Petra, or interacting with um, Andrus, the, the, the former conductor who kind of gave way to her and you go, you know, this is a person who has a compassionate side. This is a person who can really connect with people, but then you then you realize that it's only people who pose her no threat. They don't pose any threat to her power. They don't pose any threat to, um, or or they don't offer her really any. She doesn't need to get anything from them. You know, they're just there. But the people who do fall into that category of they're uh, threatening to her position of power. They um, have something that she wants or needs. Um, those people see the other Lydia Tarr, which is, which is someone who is, you know, pretty shockingly vile and, and cruel, very cruel and manipulative, you know, almost, almost like unbelievably cruel, like goes out of her way (laughs) to be cruel to people and to prove that she is just so intelligent and deserves to be there more than anyone else. Um, and I really like that. I think that 
this character, you know, you, you, you she lacks self-awareness, which I love. I love that part of it because, um, it, it creates this thing where she's being faced with sort of the reality of the situation when Krista Taylor, um, dies by suicide, most likely partially due to the fact that, uh, or maybe entirely due to the fact that, uh, Lydia Tar has kind of assisted in blackballing her in the industry. You know, she can't get a job. She can't work in orchestra. She basically can't do music professionally because of Lydia Tar. Um, and when she's faced with that reality, she, she really tries to justify a lot of things. She tries, she, you know, um, manufactures new opinions and viewpoints and, um, facts. And she's really just trying to stay away from it, but she's constantly haunted by her subconscious and her subconscious knows what's going on, but she won't let it surface to the, the conscious. She won't let herself become aware of it. And I love to watch that battle kind of go through, go on throughout this movie. And even to the very end where now she's at the very bottom of it. And you can just see that she still feels like she deserves something. She deserves to be there. Um, there are so many great scenes where you can see this struggle going on. I think the, the big scene that everybody will probably point out is the scene where she's at the, um, the Juilliard class. I think it's, is it in Juilliard? Yeah. She's, she's doing the Juilliard, uh, like master class, and she has it out with that kid. And you're like, man, why is she going after this kid? But then you realize that he is what he is saying um, she can't blow it off because if it's true and if more people feel that way, then it's a threat to her. And, and it's, it's the most paramount threat that there is to someone like her, um, that someone could be viewed for things outside of their music. So she cannot allow it. She has to squash it, dismiss it, destroy it. And she does by driving him out of the class, but it ultimately catches up with her at the end. Um, so it's just really, really good character work. Um, that, that I love. And it's been a while since I've seen a, an actual character study like this, that's this layered, um, in quite some time. So I really appreciated that. I love that you mentioned the Juilliard class. Cause that's part of my showstopper. I love it. Nice. Um, I love the theme and the struggle of power. Uh, just like Cam mentioned it, who can she gain things from who is worth anything to her who poses no threat to her the the biggest uh, power play that that's in here for me because there's no contest throughout the rest of any any room she steps into even with the uh the the celloist there there is the, she is so far removed in her mind of thinking of any kind of competition with Lydia or things that she doesn't need anything from Lydia, but Lydia needs her. And so she, she hunts her, she pursues her. Um, but in that Juilliard scene, it's so incredible. We, we get this, this full 360, literally with the camera work, this full 360 of when she is in control, when she is facing the students versus when she is facing the stage and when she brings that student up onto the stage and he just pokes and prods and is so firm in his foundation in a non-malicious way that she cannot come to terms with it, she cannot accept it, and she cannot step off of it. She cannot lose in her mind. She will not lose to this kid who is 
stepped into her arena. I love the power play there. I love that they brought it back and, and had and had it have uh, a bigger meaning at the end. Part of you know part of the mountain of reasons to cancel her, uh, which only feeds more into his power and takes away from hers. So the 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 theme and the mantra of power going into this movie and as you see it play out and you see her win and win and cheat and lie and scrape and claw and then you see that scene take it away from her oh it's really it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful nice yeah it it is it's it's really interesting and it's really what this movie is you know it's again like it's it's asking a question it's it it's it's saying this is how power is dealt with in the modern world you know this is how this is how people like this could be dealt with you know how do you feel about that it's it's asking you to you know introspect and say how do you feel about that is it fair is it unfair um too harsh not harsh enough you know what what do you what do you think and that um it's interesting. It's an interesting thought exercise that the you know Todd Field takes us on here. So, I I agree with you. I think that's a that's a strong, rich theme there. Nice work. Okay, let's talk about the other side. Um, director shoes. I can't wait to hear Kirk's. He's already he's already primed us for it. <laughs> he's ready to sink his teeth into that. Um, mine's pretty simple. I, I think that with this movie focusing on such a real world topic the idea that um you know this idea of like let's call it cancel culture or cancellation the fact that people who abuse power have sort of immediate and um somewhat permanent consequences for that in the modern age um the fact that that's sort of what we're looking at here i'm i thought the choice to use a fictional character was an odd one um and and I could see how you don't want to use a real character because you don't want that person like to rebuff your film or, 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 or call it inauthentic or, or really just like call its credibility or authenticity into question. So I, I do get that portion of it. But what I think is when you're tackling a real world theme that, um, is so prevalent right now. And it's something that we're all kind of seeing play out and everybody has an opinion on absolutely everybody. Um, and it's, it's complex. It, it kind of renders it inert whenever you find out that this is a fictional character. And so whether that be before you go into the movie or at the end, uh, you know, I just think that whenever somebody looks up is Lydia Tarr, you know, what happened to Lydia Tarr, whatever, and figures out that she's not a real person, you're like, okay, well then what was all that for? You know, like why are we examining this fake person through a film that is clearly stylized as a, as a biopic, you know, like why did, why was that the creative choice that was made? And I, I do think it is for the reasons that I mentioned that I think that Todd field doesn't want anything from the real world obscuring the analysis that he feels is important and the examination that needs to go underway in this movie. And I get that, but I do feel like it hurts the effectiveness of it, particularly to a mass audience. So um, I think that's a, I think that, and then my, my other one is sort of the density of the film because it is extremely dense. It's, it's, you know, 
two hours and 36 minutes long uh, of essentially just dialogue. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's got a lot <laughs> to it. And, and some of the scenes that are there, you could argue don't work as hard for the movie as they think that they do. Um, like I think a lot of the scenes where Lydia is sort of being haunted night after night after night, um, after a while that just kind of doesn't work as hard for, for the film or for the themes as it did. And there are some of those characters or interactions that I think could have been trimmed down without impacting the effect of the movie and actually improving the effect of the movie because it would be more concise and succinct. So I think that that's a choice that, that could have been made. Um, I'm, I guarantee Todd Field would disagree with me on that one. And I, I, you know, in a perfect world, I would love to hear, you know, why the choices were made, but I think the, 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 the choice to make this about a fictional character or, or really to, it can be about a fictional character, but to style it in this way so that it feels so much like a biopic, um, is hurtful to the overall impact of it. And then also the, just the density of the subject matter and, and the food, the film itself are my two director shoes. Excellent. My first one, I uh, teased it earlier. Mark Strong's wig. Let's talk about it again. <laughs> Here we go. I'm, I'm ready for this. It's just so. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad. ugly when you have the rest of this piece is so spot on. Like everything makes sense. Nothing stands out as wrong. The the clothes, the costumes, the 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 atmosphere, the color tones, the palette. Uh, there's nothing that is wrong with the look of this movie except for Mark Strong's wig, ladies and gentlemen. If you never knew he was bald, you would know that he has the ugliest hairpiece you've ever seen in your life. That's all for my first one of my of my many director's that's shoes. That's fair. That's a fair one. That one just, that's the top. That lost a full eight points on this movie. Whoa! <laughs> I exaggerate. I exaggerate. This movie is pretentious. It is uh, very very in love with itself it it's very it's almost too aware that the elevated speech between Lydia and uh Aldous Aldris uh Sebastian and all of the other uh musicians with this this chip on their shoulder this world uh, this prestige language, this these these name drops that they they continue to have. It's very pretentious. It drives me a little insane. It feeds the character well. However, there are a lot of scenes where we aren't getting much of Lydia's motive, of Lydia's intent. Even though we kind of get it, there's not there's no no momentum with her in these long scenes where they're just discussing the past and this composer and this artist and comparing people that you do not know who they are. And there is some, you know, some rhythms there. There are some rhythms there that are nice to hear to learn the character a little more, but it's done over and over and over and over again. It's hard. It's very hard to pay attention. And then what happens is you in, interwoven into all of those very, very subtly is mixed in with the subplots and the subplots are arguably stronger than the main plot of power. 
the main plot of let's watch this person and see what happens uh, through all of these events in her life, where the biggest subplot that turns out to be a driving force in here of Mark Strong and his ugly wig dethroning Lydia, the worst thing that could happen to her, and her attacking him um, in a surprise it, it just the climax of that it should have been bigger and it it felt like it thought it was big enough but because all of that all of that tension between her and this other composer possibly taking her place a lesser composer someone who very clearly is not of her intelligence and probably shouldn't be conducting that orchestra her orchestra so the the burn is there but the the ride is not there and we can't follow it quite right so when we get to that moment where she's breathing heavily on stage and they start that orchestra and the horn is off stage that she planned that she selected and she rushes the stage it's like oh oh okay because we didn't get enough information it's fine to not beat your audience over the head but when you hide things or or trap them into hanging on every one of those words that aren't as important. It's a little, it's a little angersome. That's not even a word. Um, it's a little frustrating. <laughs> so my, my director's shoes to Mr. Todd field is to let it breathe a little bit, let it be a little bit more relatable in pieces so that those little pieces intermixed with the character development dialogue can be picked up and carried through. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's I think those are fair, fair notes. And I hate I hate when a film is pretentious. I think that this, um, because it just it it affects the accessibility of the film. And I you know, I could go on for hours on that. So I get I get you choosing that. I think part of it is a factor of the world he's chosen to examine, which is an extreme. Yes. You know, it's high art. So. Um, and maybe, maybe part of that is to, uh, call film under examination as well, because sometimes this, you know, people who make films, people who critique films, et cetera, it gets a little pretentious and it gets a lot yeah. of who's, who's the smartest person in the room and things like that. So, um, yeah, I agree. I agree with a lot of that. I think that that makes sense. And maybe it's me. Maybe Maybe I'm not smart enough for this movie, Cam. No, no, no. I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> there are a lot of times where you're like, okay, who is this person? Whatever. I mean, for God's sake, the whole, <laughs> one of the major themes is the fact that she, okay, so the, I think probably the main point where they explain the, the thesis of the film or one of the uh, kind of main points of the film is when she's talking to Andrus and, uh, she says, I, I, you know, when I'm trying to write, he says, how's the writing going? And she says, you know, when I'm trying to write, I hear something, I get excited about it. I get it, ex I get excited about it, but then it's, it just, I, I try to do it and it's pastiche, which I had to Google, right? <laughs> Cause right. I don't, nobody uses that word. Um, which just means that it's, uh, you know, basically a copy of another artistic work. It's, I would say, um, derivative. That's probably the word that I would use, that it's derivative right. of something else. Um, and Andrus quickly quips back with, it's all pastiche. And that's the whole 
thing. And she says, I find that really depressing. She, you know, he kind of gives this example of where Beethoven copied Mozart or the other way around or something like that. And she yep. goes, I find that very depressing because what she's not allowing herself to see is that she's copied Mahler. You know, she's literally recording his, uh, his whole series of symphonies and she's trying to be him. She changed right. her name to be Lydia Tarr because she wanted it to sound more like one of these, you know, Gustav Mahler, Ludwig von Beethoven, one of these really successful people. And then she's mimicking his life because he was a terror and you, nobody knows that going in, you know, unless you've taken film history or film appreciation, whatever, everybody's Googling who the heck is Gustav Mahler. What's his deal? Because even if you know his music, you don't know that he was a jerk, <laughs> You know, and that's one of the main points of the movie is you kind of have to know that he was a jerk in order for that theme to hit home. So right. you're, you're not, I do not call yourself too dumb for this movie. Nobody should. It's, it is dense. I think it is, um, you know, that's, that's a fair critique. It's a really fair critique for sure. For sure. For sure. Well, so, perfect. I love it. All right, Kirk, let's do final thoughts and scores. Um, this is a toughie. This is a toughie for sure, and it does sound like Kirk and I will be on different ends of the spectrum with this one. I think ultimately for me, this movie technically is really well done. I think I have some problems with the fact that it's uh, – I, I mean, I've stated my problems, so I'm not really going to rehash it, but basically that it's um, a little bit too self-indulgent and that it's it's you know shouldn't be styled the way that it is, but the way that it's made is lovely. It's – I don't think it should have been nominated for cinematography, but it was, and you can't super argue with it because it is really well shot. It's really well edited, um, and it's awesome. I think it's it's really f it's it's stylish. It looks good. The visual aesthetic is is sharp. Um, they're they're doing a lot of visual storytelling with like having the camera follow her around, and like as Kirk pointed out, the camera the perspective being a huge part of the storytelling in the movie. So it, it's really well done. Um, and I love the character study and, and, and everything that's going on. Like I said, in my showstopper, as well as the performance, I found it really interesting. And for the most part, uh, a really good time. I think it, it gets a little stodgy and it gets a little, um, you feel like it's a little overly long by the end because some of the things that they choose to do again are a little bit self-indulgent, but overall I'm a fan of what has come together. I think the theming is sharp. I think it's well done. I think that, it, you know, it's super relevant and it's not really been examined in this way before with the knowledge of what we know now about how things are unfolding today with cancel culture and, and things like that. So it, it is interesting from that perspective. So I give it a lot of credit for all of those things. So for me, I don't think it deserves to be best picture out of our uh, 10 nominees. Um, but I do think it deserved to be nominated out of the films that we saw this year for 2022. And I'm giving it 8.3 out of 10 kernels. Mine will not be that score. Oh, I Mine know. I'm excited. I'm excited about it though. <laughs> Do you hear that? Clicking the baton. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> Prepare yourselves. Is that a wand? <laughs> it's a Harry Potter wand. Love it. That's what I thought. <laughs> I must say that I would not watch this movie again. I do not think it should have been nominated for Best Picture. There are some others out there that had a better chance at the title, if nominated, that were not given their uh, their day in the sun. So 
while while uh, the production value is fantastic, I do not think the script is strong enough. Uh, I do not think the cinematography leads itself to be interesting enough, though it looks good. It's not anything we haven't seen before in some other sort of uh, realm of film. I will never forgive Mark Strong's wig. I think that Kate Blanchett will probably win the Oscar based on uh, just purely being able to fit into a role exactly as it is supposed to be played where Michelle Yeoh might take over the other nominee, uh, one of the other nominees in this category for everything, everywhere all at once where she might be able to take over is because how unique that her role was and fitting into every different type of universe that she, she slides into back to tar Kate Blanchett, all the creative staff, it's not enough for me to say that this is something I like to watch and it's going to go down for me as a 5.8 out of 10 kernels today. Nice. So you would you would not have it nominated for Best Picture. I heard that. Correct. What's taking its spot, Kirk? What's taking its spot? And do you I have don't... it? Do you have it? Now, I don't want to make you tip your hand too much, so if this is too invasive, let me know. But would you put it 10th or 8th out of the 8 that you have seen so far? Oh, good question. Easily. Ooh, yeah. okay. Without a, without a question. Okay. Without a question. It's, it's the lowest on the totem pole for me. Got you. So what takes its place then? What, you, what you, other film comes now you into only it? have to oh, now you only no. have to pick one because you said that it was the bottom I was gonna make you pick as many <laughs> replacements <laughs> as there were but I, I do want to know because I I certainly have films that I I wish were not nominated for best picture and I have films in mind that I would swap it out with but I want to know like what's your what's your biggest one that you would swap in oh gosh this is a terrible this is not fair this is not fair at all I I don't know the answer. Okay, that's, that, no, that's, that's fair. Problem. That is a fair answer. I would say, based on recency bias, I just watched uh, "She Said" based on the mm. Weinstein, uh, you know, uh, news story, news break, and everything. Yeah, that has a very spotlight feel. Yeah, that has uh, just like a, a news breaking feel that we're familiar with, and it was very compelling. Um, I would say that that is a is a more powerful film than Tar. Uh-huh. And, you can, it, I just don't know. That and a lot of people a, would agree with you on that for what it's worth. I mean, I, excellent. Like for sure. I don't know that you can be in the top 10 best picture films and not make your, all of your audience like collectively mm. feel something. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel anything while I watched this film because, sure. because it is a cold film because Lydia Tarr is a cold person and she's doing cold things to people left and right. So it's, it's very difficult for me to uh, say yes, to have a movie that doesn't make you uh, enact some emotion while you're watching it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think that this, this potentially is a film that, um, will not resonate with everybody and will not uh, hit home in the same way for, for people. I think we, we've definitely, we've certainly seen films like that nominated in the past, but it's always, you know, it's always controversial, but I appreciate the discourse. I like, I like having difference of opinion. So this is, 
exciting. And it was a good discussion about the film Tar, one of our 10 Best Picture nominees. So now we are 5 out of 10, Kirk. We got five more to go. And we'll start knocking them out over the next few weeks. And those five are Banshees of Inisherin. Why am I doing this to myself? I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> but I do want people to know. We got it. We got it. The Fablemans. The Fablemans. Women Talking. Women Talking. Triangle, Triangle of Sadness. Sadness. And hold on. It's coming. I can feel it. Venom 3. Yes. No, I can feel it. <laughs> What is it, Kirk? I have to pull the list up. Oh, 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 all quiet. All quiet on the Western Front. All quiet, all quiet on, on the Western, Western front. front. That's right. So we'll we'll get there. We've got five left, um, and we're going to start chipping away at it. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed Tar, or maybe you didn't. And uh, as we have just shown, either way, totally fine. Let us know your thoughts, preferably on Discord. We'd love to have more people in that community to discuss films with us. We've got some people in there who chatted up with us, and we really enjoy it. Um, we want to talk movies all day long. We really do. It's 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 a sickness is what it is. But but don't let our bosses know. <laughs> yeah, don't let anybody know. But it's, it's my favorite thing, and I, one of Kirk's favorite things for sure, I would say. So join us there, and we can chat it up. But until next time, uh, we will leave you with the sounds of Rhetoric, the band that created our original music, as well as Kirk drops his uh, magic wand baton. Uh, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and we will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.